You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us on Worshipology. This is a podcast geared towards worship leaders, worship teams, and worshipers of Jesus. It's a conversation that's all about biblical, practical, and spiritual application in our lives as we live and lead out worship. And today I'm really excited because we got KJ Scriven on the other end. KJ, say what's up, man. What's up, everybody? Curtis, thanks for having me, man. I am super pumped to be here today. Dude, it's an honor to have you, man. And I, I think we met probably in 2014 or 2015. It was back when I was living in D.C. I think you were at Transformation and you spoke to a group of worship leaders there. And I was like, man, I don't know who this dude is, but I need to be friends with this guy. And <laughs> man, since then, dude, you've been writing, you've been traveling, uh, you started some ministry. So, dude, we're going to get into all that. But man, just for our listeners uh, who th- maybe this is their first time here in KJ Scriven, dude, just tell a little bit of your story, man. How did you get involved in music, songwriting, worship? Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Absolutely. Well, so... You know, it's it's in my blood deep, you know, um, both of my parents sing. Um, my grandfather was a singer, a pastor. I go several generations back. Um, PK and granddad was a pastor. Great, great granddad was a pastor. It's just, you know, it's, it's in the blood, man. And so. Um, so anyway, man. Um, so, in fact, my mom led worship the night that her uh, water broke. With me, what? she literally led worship and then went left out of the church and went and had me. So it's like, <laughs> oh my, so oh my, it's it's uh, man, it goes it goes way 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 back. And so anyway, yeah, man. So I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina, originally. Um, so okay. if you're familiar with like Fort Bragg or any of that stuff, that's um, that's uh, my background. My family's not military; we're just from there. Um, mm-hmm. And so anyway. Did that, grew up, like I said, grew up in church, sang in church, all of the above. Um, always was more into, um, always like, I think I wrote my first song was a probably probably maybe eight or something like that. I was really oh, wow. young when I started like writing and experimenting and using cassette tapes and flipping them and recording to do overdubs <laughs> and all of that stuff. And my parents Love were it. like, what in the world? And so, um, so anyway, I always had an interest in music, but actually got more into sports when I was like coming up. And so in the school and early in the college and thought I was, you know, studied business in college and thought I was going to go to law school. And the Lord just interrupted that whole process all coming wow. up through life, though. Um, always either like play drums or play guitar or, le- or sing in the choir or sing uh-huh. or sing with the worship teams like coming up. But. It was something that I, you know, felt like where I come from, that wasn't something that you did, you know, for a living per se. I didn't see any examples of that. You know, I had artists that I listened to. I just didn't think that any of that was accessible for me or or realistic, Mm. you know. So it wasn't something I ever actually like I didn't grow up thinking like, oh, I want to be this one day. Um, So I was 22 in college, senior year and um, think I'm going to law school after I graduate And uh, the Lord sends um, a person into my life to basically tell me like, um, hey, I've been having these dreams about you. I won't go into all the dreams because it'll like make this way longer than it needs to be. (laughs) But let's just say it was very specific. Um, She knew songs. She the Lord showed her in her dreams songs that I was practicing in my room by myself, including lyrics to songs that I never released. 
So wow. it was like deep. And she was like, you have an idea for your life. That's cool. But the, you're supposed to be a minister of music. And so wow. told me that 22. So I was like, cool. Well, I guess I'm doing that now. And my family thought I lost my mind and my whole community <laughs> thought I lost my mind and tried to have interventions with me to keep me from doing that. So I could, you know, go to school. Like, you can do music whenever, finish a degree, do all of that stuff. And wow. so anyway, yeah. So went into music more so as an artist first. And then I yeah. kind of ended up kind of becoming a worship pastor um, and then a worship leader and worship pastor. Um, and then, um, yeah. And so from that time, just been writing ever since then, wrote a few songs. Um, yeah, you did. <laughs> a few, a few songs. Come yeah, on, man. Yeah. And um, had a few cool things happen. And um, man, I, I, I don't know. I feel led to kind of say this for someone listening um, the Lord has really, I don't know, has allowed it to happen for me. Like I've had a chance to win a Grammy award, a Dove award, a Stellar award, a Billboard award, a Soul Train award, um, some other stuff too. I forget, but, but none of those things, there was never a moment where I wrote a song or even knew that any of that was going to happen. It, none of that had wow. anything to do ever was like, like while I'm writing this, I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to, this is going to be the one. Like I've, it, it's never, it, it was always an accident. One of the most popular songs that I'm a part of is a song called Manny A Word with Maverick City with me and Chandler right. Moore. And I'll give you the backstory that this, I think it's going to encourage somebody. I want to say That's this. Cool. So I was in Atlanta to hang it with my family for MLK weekend. This is 2000. This is early 2020. So this is right. This is January 2020. So right before the pandemic. Wow. So two months before the pandemic, less than two months before the, before, before the pandemic. My friends and my family or some of my wife's cousins and family were like, let's take our kids to the MLK Museum on MLK weekend. Let them experience, mm. tell them the story, keep the history going sort of deal. Yeah. And so I go to the museum. I I uh, put it in my stories like I'm at the MLK Museum. Well, Chandler Moore, who is like a little brother to me, um, who I taught like how to play his first guitar chords. Like that's how far <laughs> we go back when he was like 17 oh, wow. or 18 or something like that. And so we go way back. And so anyway, he sees it. Uh, he follows me on Instagram. He sees it and says, hey, big bro, you're in Atlanta. We're recording tonight. Why don't you come through? I was like, yeah, sure, man. So wow. actually, no, I take that back. I did not say sure. I said I can't come because I was at the time I was I, I was I was kind of being unhealthy with like I was really just putting all my life into ministry and I wasn't yeah. balancing it well with my with my, the time I was giving intentionally to my family. So I was trying yeah. to create a boundary and I was like, I would love to come, but I'm here with my family. So mm-hmm, I can't. Mm-hmm. And so my, but I, you know, my wife knew that he reached out. So later at night we had plans to go somewhere and we didn't go. So my wife said, babe, we're not doing anything here. Why don't you go to the recording? I felt like that was a trick. I was just like, <laughs> no way. You're like, wait, wait for the setup. Wait nope, for the setup. setup. I said, nope. Not going. And she's like, no, for real, babe, I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not joking. You should go. You, you would have fun. You would enjoy that. Go do it. Wow. So I go and I'm hanging um, in the control room. I'm not even in the room with the choir where everything is happening. I'm just sitting in the control room, clowning, mm. having fun, enjoying the music and all that stuff. Well, it's the end of the night. They are actually recording while the song promises is being recorded. Oh, wow. While the song promises is being recorded. I'm sitting in the control room. Chandler had just got finished with, I forgot the song. He had just got finished recording promises is going. And he said, and he's tired and he's sitting down. He's tired. He's like, he's like, 
hey, big bro, you want to jump on this last song with me? And I was just like, yeah, sure. And I was like, what's the words? <laughs> and Chandler, in the last probably three minutes of Promises, teaches me the lyrics to Man of Your Word. I wow. borrow Marianne George's in-ears. She gives me her in-ears. And then we go out and we sing Man that, of Your And words. that's a bold move to borrow somebody's in-ears on both of your parts. <laughs> both of your parts. We swapped out the we swapped out the buds. You know what I'm saying? We swapped out there the buds. There you go. There you go. But um, she didn't have it weren't custom, you know. So anyway, we swapped out the buds. But yeah, still <laughs> bold move. Very generous of her. And so anyway, so yeah, and then we recorded it, and it turned into that crazy moment. And then we ended up wow. that song. This is crazy. So that song ended up on radio. You probably heard the you know potentially heard the radio version of that song. Mm-hmm, Maverick City mm-hmm. is never the, at the time they had never pushed a song to radio. That wasn't a part of their strategy. Well, a guy who did um, like radio servicing was just like, I just love this song. I feel like the world needs to hear about Chandler and KJ. So I'll service this song to radio for you guys for free. And if you know anything about servicing songs to radio. That's huge. It's very expensive. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. So he serviced the radio for free. The song took off. We ended up getting a Grammy nomination for best performance Mm. for that song specifically. All of that stuff happened, and I didn't even I didn't even know Man of Your Word existed five minutes before wow. I sang it. And wow. so my point is, I'm saying all that to, to encourage somebody today um, who's listening. Look, man, don't like if you take care of God's business, He'll take care of yours. If you mm. are if you are faithful over what He's given you, like He will put you wherever He wants you to be. And even if you're trying to hide, if there's some if there's a if there's an audience that he wants you to be in front of, he will take care of that. So you control what you can control. Well, well, there's so many good nuggets in that, because I feel like we live in a day and age where I mean, yeah, every time you turn on YouTube, there's a new release. You're you're and honestly, there's so many worship leaders that I've talked to and I know you've talked to where it's like, yeah, we're writing songs, but we're writing for our church. But really, it's for the global church. We're hoping to get a song out there. We're hoping to get that hit. We're chasing that carrot. And here's the thing from your story that I just heard. You don't need to chase the carrot. God's got the carrot. And it's like if you're just faithful to who he's called you to and what he's called you to he'll take care of the rest that's right and and man i just the thing i love about your story and you know like i said we've we've probably known each other six seven years now and just seeing kind of how god has been faithful to you as you as you've been faithful in your call is there's always been a pastoral element like you're not just a worship leader you're a worship pastor for sure and and you know the church that we came out of uh national community in dc i know you've been up there several times you know chris and that whole crew and joel buckner absolutely and um, and even just seeing how you lead worship, you transition moments as a shepherd, mm. and and I want to talk about that a little bit mm. because it's very clear that you're not just an artist, you're not just a songwriter, yeah, but you really do have a pastor's heart. Mm. And talk about that, like, what was that journey like to go from you know artist and then handling the yeah. success on different levels? How do you yeah. stay grounded? How do you keep that shepherd's heart that cares for people more than accolades or success? Absolutely. That's a great question, man. Um, I think a part of it is I think it's uh, it's grace. You know, I think we're graced. First of all, different ones of us are graced with different spiritual gifts. Right. And everyone, Mm. you know, and and the reality is one of the things that (laughs) is actually really interesting. I was just literally just a couple minutes ago talking to a friend on the phone and I was walking through Ephesians four where it says, and he gave some apostles and some evangelists and some prophets and some pastors yeah. and some teachers, right. For the equipping of the saints to the work of ministry. Well, one of the things that I was highlighting to my friend is actually 
that the term pastor and the term teacher are two different words. And what's mm-hmm. happened in our, this culture is we automatically think if you're a pastor, that means that you're automatically a teacher. Or wow. if you're a teacher, then that automatically means you should be a pastor. But the term pastor is actually more akin to the word shepherd, which yep. means to care for, right? And so a lot of people think as, 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 as soon as they get the sense that there's a pastoral call, that they automatically think that that means I got to preach or I got to do this or I got to do that. Mm. And so the Lord over time helped me understand that this is two part that if you've got that gift of pastoring, right, that yeah. and shepherding, that you can do that in almost any context. And mm-hmm. what began to happen for me as well, honestly, like early, probably in my like early, like, well, mid twenties, I began in early mid twenties, like right after I started kind of becoming, I, I began to notice that like when I was singing or when I was leading that just being honest, that like sort of some, like the energy of the room would shift sometimes. And there would be these moments where it's like, whoa. And people would tell me that a lot. It's like, dude, like the whole energy, just the whole atmosphere just kind of shifted. But when I was younger, I didn't know what to do with those moments. It would just happen. And then everybody's like open. People are crying. It's like a whole thing. And then I would just kind of be like, okay, bye. And then I would just kind of like, what? And I didn't know what I, I didn't. And so my point is I had to learn over time how to steward those moments, how to shepherd those moments. You know, and even in, even in scripture, we see this term, Selah, like in the, in the Psalms. So there'd be a song mm-hmm. and the word Selah means to pause for reflection, mm-hmm. you know? And so sometimes we're so, sometimes even in our sets, we're like, we've like programmed our sets to the second sometimes and yeah. there's no space, right? <laughs> like, like we, we got it. We've already, you know, in many of our churches, we got like, yeah, you've got 16 minutes and 37 seconds already. Right. You know? And so <laughs> like no room at all. And, and of course I, I think even when there's a plan, I think the spirit can speak to people in that way as well. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying spontaneity is equivalent to the spirit moving. That's not what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but, but mm-hmm. I'm, but I am saying sometimes man, like I, I, I actually, I was at a church and it was like, sim- I was similar to that. And it's like, Hey, yeah, we've got 14 minutes. Or whatever. And I was just like, wow, 14. That's specific. <laughs> wow. Okay. We couldn't get 15. Okay. That could be a bridge in some churches, just a bridge. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just a bridge. And so what I told the worship leader, I said, he says, and so he said, um, I told him, I said, yeah, I'm gonna do two songs then. And he was like, you sure? And it was like, yeah, I'm gonna mm-hmm. do two songs that are five minutes each. So now I have mm-hmm. four minutes that I can shepherd the moments with. Yeah. And he was blown away because I like in between <laughs> the song, I knew that. And I still literally it was like five, four, three, two, one. Amen. And I was still done on time. So wow. but to the people in the room, they were just like, oh, my God, the Holy Spirit just moved, you know, all that stuff. And I was just like, well, really, I just took Selah moments yeah. and, I, and I planned that I planned to have space. You know, and so I just did less songs so I could have Let's more pause there. Let's pause Go there for, for a moment because I love that you just said I planned for spontaneous, like spontaneous moments. Like I think sometimes we think too much in our head of like, well, if it's going to flow, it's going to flow. Or if it's going to be spontaneous, that's fine. But, but actually taking the time to be like, you know what? Actually, I think 
right here and right here or between this moment and this moment, there could be something that happens and it's okay to plan, but it's okay to also be aware of like, man, God may take this where we don't know. How do you ride that line of, you know, yeah. balance the, the, the planned and the spontaneous, the yes. flow and the preparation? Cause you do it so well. Thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. So my, my opinion on that is what I try to do I have my I have my preference. Right. But mm-hmm. when I'm at a particular like house of worship, I will try to be as authentic to myself within the confines of their house and culture. So That's I good. respect where I am. Yeah. And I go to some places and they're like, hey, man, you got 25 minutes. But if it goes longer, do your thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. I go to some places. It's like you got 16 minutes. Right. <laughs> And what I've learned to do is because, honestly, I've shaped my theology. I believe that. So so my view around that is that before I and this is this is why I plan. This is why I still plan, because I believe that not only will the, will the spirit speak to us when we're in a moment and it can take us off script, per se. Mm-hmm. But I also mm-hmm. believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to us in our planning. And because Absolutely. he's omniscient and all knowing, then he knows you know, he's no, he knows what the needs of the people will be at the service three weeks from now. Wow. And so if we pray, I think, I think the problem comes is when we, when we plan without praying, Come on. when we plan without consulting the Holy Spirit. And so I consult the Holy Spirit in my, I say, all right, so while I'm planning, Holy Spirit move while I'm planning too. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so, yeah, I, I th- that's the, so I have that thought process. I believe that God is so powerful that he can move in any facet. He can speak through any culture. I mean, he's spoken through donkeys and rocks and bushes <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, like he, wow. he, he'll, he'll speak however he needs to and he'll mm-hmm. use whatever he needs to, to do so. And so that's a big part of my theological framework is that yep. he's not limited. And I also believe that you don't have to accomplish everything in one Sunday service. Dude, say that again. Say that again, because that's really good. That's really good. I don't, I don't think you I don't think you have to accomplish every I don't think I, I, I you know, look, some people might, you know, kick me off. You might never invite me back to this podcast. But like, for <laughs> instance, I don't I don't I don't primarily even believe that the Sunday gathering is for evangelism. Like, wow. I think it's for the building of the saints. I think evangelism happens outside. I think we need wow. to be the, the Ephesians for that it's referred to that you have these apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and all these people to equip yeah. the saints for the work of yeah. ministry. And so wow. that's in our everyday life. And so uh, for me, so I'm saying all that to say it's a part of the reason I'm sure we'll get to this in the conversation. It's a part of the reason why I started. No, it is the reason that I started the event worship unplugged because I said, wow. you know, look, I respect this. I understand in a gathering, it's more than just singing the gathering. You know, you have teaching and you have prayer and you have, you know, communion and you have all of these different um, things that go into a gathering, but mm-hmm. I want to worship a little longer. I don't want to be interrupted. And I just want to like, if I want to, if I want, if people want to lay on their face, if they want to jump up and down, if they want to sit quietly, however they want to express themselves, I want to have an extended time where we just sing to God. Mm. We, where we worship unplugged and there's no distractions. There's no interruptions. We don't have to stop for anything. So I created a space outside of the Sunday morning space so we could do that. And so, yeah. 
and I would encourage even like, you know, churches can do that. Like to where yeah. like some people are like, man, I want to worship longer. Well, do a worship night once or twice a month where you're like, look, That's we're just going to we're just going to like lay in this moment. And this is supplementary, you know, what I'm saying complementary to the Sunday gathering. So anyway, I, sometimes I just feel like we try to accomplish everything. We're trying to accomplish discipleship. We're trying to accomplish, you know, the most incredible worship experience you've ever had in your life and communion and evangelism. And it's like, hey, guys, at some point we've got to equip here to go yeah. out. So we are the sent ones like we're, we're the sent ones and we go out into the world and we lead people to Jesus. There, like wow. we bring people into our homes, you know, mm-hmm. and we have conversations and we break bread there and we walk through life with people. And so we need to be not it's not just, oh, the Lord is oh, the Lord is moving. You're curious about God. Come to my church. And then we yeah. and then we shake the whole church service to mm-hmm. acquiesce to people who don't know Jesus, if that makes wow. any sense. And yeah. so, again, I might, you know, some people might agree, disagree with that. And I'm fine with that. I don't think that that's law. Um, I don't think that doing that is sin. I'm just saying that sometimes I feel like we try to accomplish so much, you know, whether even whether as the worship pastor or the worship leader, we try to accomplish so much in that one set or we try to accomplish so much in a one hour or an hour and a half or two hour, however long you serve. We try to accomplish so much <laughs> in that service. And I don't think that was the point. I think the point of yeah. like gathering is to encourage us, to build us up, to equip us, to, um, you know, that sort of, so for, we need community. That's, I think that's for the church. And then yep. we get equipped, we get, and we get inspired, we get encouraged, convicted even, and then we go out into the world. And then, and then the kingdom of God infiltrates the kingdom of the world. Wow. I mean, I definitely think that, you know, when you look at Ephesians four, it's very clear that like the primary existence of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And you look in the book of Acts, and it was like you know, a few people were doing all of the work, and it's like, hey, we can't do this. We need to dedicate ourselves to That's prayer. Right. That's right. And and it was so cool because then you're starting to see, oh, I think you could do this. I think you could do this. And you yes. get people instead of being consumers, now they turn into contributors. And I think that's a so huge good, thing bro. coming out of coming out of these last couple of years in COVID. I think all of us have been hungry for more. We've just been like, there's gotta be something more than where we've been. And whatever God's calling us to to the future is clearly gonna be a step advancing the kingdom. And I yes. think what you're gonna need to see is more and more people step into their kingdom calling. Yes. And that's just gonna need more equipping and more uh, you know, this fivefold ministry. I've had so many conversations, KJ, in this podcast about the fivefold ministry. It's become mm. more of a you know, and and I think there was like a, a ten year period in the church where it was like, hey, we're just not going to talk about apostles and prophets yes. because when I was growing up, you know, this and that. But it's like that's the foundation of the church. And so what we've seen is like the primary thing that I'm going to call everybody who's leading a church is pastor. And you're like, well, wait a minute, there's four other things yes. in this thing. Come on, bro. And one of the things. Bro, even one of the things that I wrote about in the book, Worshipology, is how do you lead worship through that fivefold lens? Because I think there's people that lead worship with a prophetic edge, with an apostolic edge, with a pastoral edge. Yes. And I'm loving it, man. And just hearing you talk about this has been super confirmation to that. Talk about that for a little bit, because like, how would you say that you lead worship through one of those lenses? Yes. And, you know, you hit on it before. I mean, obviously, like Unplugged, I've been seeing it. If you haven't checked it out on Instagram, it's definitely worth checking out, because I think what you're saying is like, man, people are hungry for that extra space, for that chance to linger. Yes. And I think what you're doing at Unplugged could be a trendsetter, not to be cool and fashionable, but 
like, hey, man, this is working here where there's a hunger. Maybe God would equip you to start something like that in your context. Talk about that for a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Let me touch something really quickly, too, when you talk about that. Um, that that Let me hit that fivefold really quick, because this is oh, actually yeah. the crux of the conversation I told you I was having. So verse 11, and I encourage all the listeners to go check behind me. It doesn't matter the translation that you read it in. And I think this is for somebody as well who's this. This is for worship leaders that are listening. I think all it's for all of us. If you notice, every one of those functions or offices or whatever you want to call them, right, or spiritual gifts, mm. they all have something in common in verse 11. Not one of those words are capitalized. They're all lowercase. Wow. And that isn't, no matter what translation you read, they're all lowercase. That's for a reason. Because they were never supposed to be titles. Mm. They were supposed to be functions. Wow. They're spiritual gifts and their functions within the church. And the problem is, even when we see the Apostle Paul, who, again, which is which I'm going to when I I'm saying that for the for the listeners, because we understand that the Apostle Paul not once calls himself the Apostle Paul. He yep. says, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ. So he <laughs> he states his name before he states his function. Oh, man. And for us, oftentimes in an effort to be honoring, we put a person's function before their name. Wow. But what we're really doing, we think we are honoring them, but we're really dehumanizing. And wow. we teach each other that I have to show up first as pastor before I show up as KJ. And that teaches us, I believe, to bifurcate or compartmentalize our lives. And we don't feel like we can be honest about our struggles and all the things that we look, look I get it. There's a because we walk in that spiritual authority, that spiritual office or whatever you want to call it. Yes, there's a greater responsibility that comes in. I understand that. Mm. But I want to say that too. No matter what it is that you do, your title does your title does not describe your name. Who wow. you are describes what you do. Yeah. Not what you do describes who you are. <laughs> and we got to get that. That's the first thing and we see that in the scripture. Like I said, every time you see Paul, he says, "I Paul" or "Hey, it's Paul." <laughs> and then he <laughs> describes what he what he's doing or how so he's good. serving. So anyway, I think that's part of why we're afraid of it. Because mm. we think that, like, if we call somebody apostle, what does that mean? Is that lowercase or uppercase apostle? You know what I'm saying? You know, if, if, wow. if we call somebody a prophet, what does that mean? Because we think it's a title. And we, like, we, we, we think we're so worried about the authority associated with it that we're not mm. thinking about the service that's associated with it. If mm. that makes any sense. So. Makes total sense. Makes total all sense. All that to say, you know, I could go, I could wax on about that forever. But all that to say, you were, um... You, uh, what was the other part of the question you asked me? You said, well, just, just in your heart to start something like unplugged yes. with, with that pastoral heart and to create the space. Outside oh, you're saying which of, one do I know, lean more towards? Like what, yes. what is the lens? So, yeah. And so I think that's a great point, man. It's like, again, it's all like it's spiritual gifts, right? All of those things, like I said, they're not titles. So it's like, I can operate in a sense that's like more evangelical or, or more, um, or, um, or, evangelistic let's say that okay mm -hmm. uh you say evangelical people <laughs> get uh upset so uh evangelistic or um yeah like you said prophetic or whatever it's like yeah that's not a title it's a spiritual gift you know what i'm yeah. saying and so um but yeah definitely for me more pastoral for mm -hmm. me because i believe that i believe that 
it, I believe that music softens the heart. Mm, totally. I believe that it, it just in the same way, like before you plant a seed, you have to break up the ground. And so um, sometimes the ground is hard and sometimes worship softens it and it makes you more receptive to take a seed. You get what I'm saying? For, it take, it, for the ground to take seed. And so um, so I always so I've learned like, man, there's so much that be, can be accomplished. And here's my here's my other thing. It's twofold. These are two of my favorite scriptures when it comes to leading worship. It's probably what I shared with your team at NCC when you um, heard heard me back in the day because I teach us all the time to worship leaders and worship teams. Uh, there's two passages where it speaks to, hey, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and here's why you do it. You see it yep, Colossians yep. three sixteen, and it says, "Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you." Yeah. Yeah. Through, through singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it's saying the word of Christ, the way, in essence, the way that you learn about, about Christ or learn about his nature is not just through reading scripture, not just through mm. teaching, but also through the songs. So I see, so I see, I see worship songs as an opportunity. You know, there's so many things that I think so much of our theological, the theological framework of so many people is wrapped in the songs that they've learned. And there right. might be something that's nowhere in scripture, but it's in a song. So they remember it. So people remember right. it and we take it to the bank and we like hold God to it. You know, like <laughs> there are songs that say like, God won't put more on you than you can bear. It's like, yes, he will. Uh, yeah, I can attest to yeah, that. <laughs> yes, he will. You know, but it says it in the song. It doesn't say it in the scripture, but it says it in the song. And even wow. in the educational field, they know if you tie a song, if you tie melody to uh, a concept, it bypasses melody. Music bypasses the guardrails of your brain that allow you to, to shut somebody out. So somebody might like mm -hmm. even as I'm talking now, you might can tune me out. But if I start singing it, you can't tune me out. Music passes your guardrails. And this is why they took so the song Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. For the ABCs, it's the same melody. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. H-I-J-K-L-M-L-P. Like, it's the same yep. melody. They took the <laughs> melody to twinkle, twinkle, little star so kids can learn the ABC song because they wow. understood the, the connection of melody to education and learning. So it is not only a tool where we get to connect with God, worship God for who he is. It, it makes us better, but we also learn theology. That's Colossians 3.16. Ephesians mm. 5, 18, 19, 20, it also says, Hey, don't be drunk with wine because that's going to lead you to reckless living. You're going to wild out. Don't get drunk, basically. You didn't say don't drink wine. Say don't get drunk, right? right. Don't be drunk because right. it's going to lead you to reckless living. You'll make bad decisions. You will be, here we go, under the influence. And so it'll right. change the way you talk, see, think, live, depth of perception, all the above. Well, in the same way, it says instead of that, be filled with the spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So he's saying, yeah. he's saying the equivalent, instead of being under the influence of, of wine, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit because he will change yep. you. He'll change the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you think, the way you live, the way you perceive. Mm. So don't be filled with wine, be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> wow. wow. And it's, so, but the way that that happens, we see, so again, we see that discipleship and teaching and encouragement happens as we sing worship songs. And we also wow. see that we are actually filled with the spirit that mm. equips us and empowers us to live the life that he's called us to live. All of these things are gifts that happen while we worship. So I just understand that now, now that I have that, wow. I, I, I have a heightened 
appreciation, I realized how how unique, how rare it is. First of all, that the, that I hit the genetic lottery to where I can even sing a note that that mm. sounds good to people that I that music even <laughs> makes sense to me. Like any worship leader out there, you hit the genetic lottery. You know what I'm saying? Whether your parents can sing or not, somehow, some way, you have this ability to sing. That's number one. But then number two, the ability to connect the divine, you know, with, Mm. you know, with what's happening here. There's something spiritual, not just something natural that's happening. It's something spiritual that happened while we worship. So there's something Mm. really special um, and unique. And I know in this day and time, you know, you know, you're a superstar if you're a great preacher. But the reality is, hey, guys, one day. Preaching and prophecy is going to cease. Right. But you know what will continue forever? Worship Worship. will. Yeah. Something that will always happen is worship. So now my point is, Mm. speaking to that, when I go into leading worship, no matter what the space is, you know, when I did Worship Unplugged, we had a couple hundred people there. I led worship yesterday for, you know, 35 people in a coffee shop. And no matter what space I'm in, you know, or if I'm in an arena with Maverick City or something like that, no matter what space I'm in, I understand every opportunity. There's something really beautiful, powerful and rare. That can wow. happen in that moment. So when I go to lead worship now, there's a level of expectation that I have. There's a level mm-hmm. of responsibility and there's a level of like humility and honor that I just feel that I even have the opportunity that I get to lead worship. You get to absolutely, man. I think that's such a huge key to go out on because everybody here, whether you're a worship leader or you're on a team, sometimes it can become so commonplace and so familiar that we forget the amazing opportunity that we have in worship is to see heaven and earth collide in this divine space where the Holy Spirit moves in power, where God's presence, that manifest presence becomes so evident. How can we not expect signs and wonders to occur in these times, man? That's right. Dude, KJ, you're awesome, man. I wish we had another hour to talk. (laughs) Um, You know, one thing, bro. Oh my gosh, man. (laughs) We're going to do, we have to do a part two. That's for sure. And uh, dude, tell the listeners just where can they find you? Uh, What are you up to these days? Uh, We're going to put that in the show notes. I did want to say one thing before you, before you tell us where you can find you. Um, You know, what's awesome about this. And as you were talking about Ephesians five and Colossians three, that whole idea of don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the spirit. What does, what does getting drunk on wine do? It dulls your senses. Mm. What does the Holy Spirit do? It makes you sensitive to the things it's of so God. It's so good. So good. And I think there's something so powerful about that, man. We could talk about that for another so hour, good. dude. You you are a wealth of uh, just depth in all things <laughs> Jesus and worship. I feel like I know God a little bit better after this half hour with you, man. Um, dude, where, where can people find you, KJ? Yeah, so um, everywhere, website, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere is the same. KJ Scriven. So it's KJ S C R I V like Victor E N. So you can find me everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, website, music, KJ Scriven. Man, you're a gift, dude. Thank you for your time, bro. Thank you so much, man. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.